Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Welcome to episode 40 of Calm Words for Anxious Hearts. We're in the midst of a four-week series on virtue, and today we will talk about the specific virtue of courage. What is courage? What is courage not? What does courage look like in our life? Those are just a few of the questions I want us to explore together. And so to explore this idea of courage, I want to talk about an episode in the life of the people of Israel And more specifically, to look at Joshua and the generation of Israelites who entered the Promised Land for the very first time. Now, to just remind you of the backstory, the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt, and God freed them from Pharaoh's oppressive rule through Moses by leading them through the Red Sea and out into the wilderness. But the whole point was to go through that wilderness to a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that was to be their own. And so here they are out in the wilderness, and Moses is their leader. And, you know, Moses is a smart leader. He doesn't want to take any chances, and so he sends out 12 spies to survey the land of Canaan, and after 40 days they bring back a report. I've got some good news and some bad news, they say. The good news is that Canaan is amazing. It's better than we expected. It's a dreamland, a land of abundance, a land that flows with milk and honey. That's the good news. But then they sober up, and they tell Israel to brace themselves, and they then give some really bad news. According to Numbers 13, verses 32 through 33, and I quote, They spread discouraging reports about the land among the Israelites. The land we explored will swallow up any who go to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there. We felt like grasshoppers next to them, and that's what we look like to them. And so let me just paraphrase what this means. Essentially what they said was, going to Canaan is a suicide mission. Canaan is perfect, and yes, God promised that this was our home, but frankly, we are outnumbered. Now, to be fair, two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, they give a dissenting report. They remind the Israelites that it was for this very reason that God brought them out of Egypt in the first place. And that the same God who overthrew Pharaoh wouldn't have the slightest problem with the giants of Canaan. But the Israelites don't buy it, and their fear takes over. And so they're in quite the pickle. They obviously can't go back to Egypt, even if they wanted to. I mean, after all, do you really think that God would part the Red Sea a second time so they could then return to a life of slavery? (laughs) Absolutely not. But on the other hand, they're too scared to move forward. Canaan is too scary. And so does anyone remember what they do? Nothing. (laughs) They sit in the desert for 40 years and they do nothing until the entire generation dies. 
They refuse to believe that God will protect them. They refuse to enter the promised land for 40 years. They do absolutely nothing but grumble and weep in the desert. And in a sense, that's what the whole book of Numbers is about. It's about 40 years of desert weeping. You see, the people of Israel had a choice to make that day. It was either faith or it was fear. It was either a lifetime of boredom in the desert or it was the day-by-day faith-filled adventure of following a risky God into the unknown. Now, we often assume that the greatest enemy of faith is doubt. But, you know, that's just a bunch of nonsense. Everyone has doubts. The greatest enemy to faith is not doubt. It's fear. And here's the sentence that reveals the power of fear. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Now, just to show how poisonous fear can be, we need to remember that this all began with 10 people. And from there, it spread to all of Israel. That's all it took. It took 10 scared spies telling the rest of the people that they felt like grasshoppers in Canaan. And within moments, every single one of them had a grasshopper complex. Apparently, the Israelites can't seem to grasp the fact that they're not slaves anymore, that the same God that set them free from Egypt would also protect them in Canaan. And because of that, they feel small, they feel inadequate, they feel weak, they feel like grasshoppers. Now, a lot of people in our world live with a deep-seated grasshopper complex. They look in the mirror, and all they see is a grasshopper. I'm not adequate. I'm not competent. I'm not strong enough. I'm not as smart, as tall, as skinny, as pretty, as funny, as successful compared to so-and-so. Compared to them, I'm a grasshopper. It is a sad thing, but a lot of people deal with the daily pain of feeling deeply inferior. But here's the thing. The question isn't whether we are adequate or competent or strong enough. The question is always, are we willing to trust that God is adequate and that God is competent and that God is strong enough? And so it might be worth pausing just to ask ourselves, do we tend to focus more on our inability or on God's ability? Do we focus more on our weakness or on God's strength? Well, fortunately for us, God is very, very patient. He does not desert his people. For 40 years, God waits with the Israelites in the desert, even sets up camp for a bit. For 40 years, God hangs out and watches over his chosen people while a new generation of Israelites grow up. And so the question becomes, Will this new generation have the courage to move forward? And so here's what I need us to do. Let's fast forward 40 years and look at this new generation. Moses is now dead. And Joshua, the son of Nun, is their new leader. And God tells Joshua that it's time to move forward. There's only one thing, though, that stands between the people of Israel and the outskirts of Canaan. And that one thing the last barrier, the only obstacle is the Jordan River. And so that's where the book of Joshua picks up. 
So Joshua told the Israelites, Come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. The Ark of the Covenant will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. The priests will be carrying the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. When their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream, and the river will pile up there in one heap. Now it was the harvest season, and the Jordan was flooding. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water stopped, and the riverbed was dry, then all the people crossed over. Here ends the reading. Okay, so we need to understand what's going on here in this story. There's a new generation standing on the banks of the Jordan, and God doesn't want them to experience the pain of 40 years in the desert like their parents did. Remember, the old generation died from a serious case of grasshopper syndrome, but now their children, a completely new generation, they are staring at the Jordan River, and they start to wonder, do we have the courage to do what our parents were too scared to do. In other words, what choice are we going to make? Faith or fear? And so this new generation has waited a long time for this very moment. In fact, a lot of these people were most likely born in the desert. In other words, sitting around and doing nothing is all they've ever known. And yet here's the dilemma. There is no way they can cross the river without divine intervention. The Bible tells us it's flood season. Normally, the Jordan River isn't all that treacherous, but flood season is a different story altogether. And so I need you to imagine a riverbed that is 150 feet wide and up to 20 feet deep. But not only that, the water is moving really fast because the Jordan starts 7,000 feet above sea level and ends at 1,300 feet below sea level. In other words, Michael Phelps would have a hard time crossing the Jordan during flood season. And so imagine this caravan of people raised in the desert, many of whom have never seen a body of water at all, being asked to step into this river. Do you see what's going on? It's a death sentence. In other words, God is asking this new generation to step into the Jordan during the most dangerous time of the year with nothing but a promise, you'll be okay, I'm with you, step into the river. Do you see the catch? Do you remember how the Exodus worked? Moses parted the Red Sea, and then the people of Israel crossed. But not this time. This time, God reverses the order. God tells the generation that first, they have to step into the water. And only after they take that step of faith, only then will the waters dry up. Do you see how radical this is? Imagine jumping out of an airplane with a parachute. That's hard enough. But what about jumping without one? What if God was like, hey, jump, I'll catch you, promise. But you don't have a chute. And that's basically what God is saying to this new generation. I brought you out of Egypt. I've been with you for 40 years. I've fed you, protected you, provided for you. But I think it's about time that you grow in your courage. And so I'm not going to part the waters before you step in. You have to take a step of faith. And then, only then, will you see my miraculous power. And so if this 
older generation taught us about fear, what does the new generation teach us about courage? Simply this, and we'll call it the law of the first step. Are you ready? Sometimes God refuses to act until we take that scary step we've been putting off. Now, I'm not saying that we initiate a relationship with God that is incorrect. God, out of his own goodness, draws us to himself initially. That being said, once God makes this first move, there inevitably comes a time when God wants us to grow in courage. And courage is always about action. And so, once again, the law of the first step, sometimes, sometimes, God refuses to act until we take the first step. And so, God taught a really important lesson to that new generation before they crossed the Jordan River, and it's a lesson that each and every one of us needs to internalize, and that lesson is this. Whenever you feel a huge obstacle that, if left alone, would crush you, God's power is sufficient. But that same obstacle that we ask God to remove, that we always see as a problem, God usually sees as an opportunity to deepen our courage. Once again, what we see as a problem, God sees as an opportunity to practice courage and grow in faith. And what this means is that more often than not, whenever we feel fear, there is some step that we need to take. Step into the Jordan River first, and only then do we see the waters dry up. And so here's a question I'm going to challenge each of us to ponder this week. What is your Jordan River? Where is God asking you to take a step and to show more courage? Because the truth is, we all find ourselves at the banks of the Jordan River from time to time. We all know what it's like to face barriers that scare us. And if we're not careful, these barriers can paralyze us with fear. But if that happens... Over time, we live boring lives in the desert. We'll never become the risk-taking, faith-filled adventurers that God wants us to be. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, that sounds really nice, but I don't have a Jordan River. Sure you do. You probably have lots of them. And you want to know how you can tell what your Jordan River is? I want you to think about something you feel called to do or something you believe is important but that it really scares you. Maybe you've been on the banks of the Jordan for a while now, praying God to send a bridge, but God is just waiting patiently for you to take the first step, to trust that he loves you so much that never in a million years would he let you drown. And so if you're not there now, at some point in your life, you'll be standing at the banks of the Jordan. Will you have the courage to move forward? No matter what, God's going to stay with you. That is God's promise. But just don't forget that the same thing God said to the Israelites, he says to you and me, you'll be okay. I'm with you. Step into the river. And so back to our question, what is courage? Courage is what enables us to take that step. And it's what we grow in the more steps we take. It's when we feel the fear But we do it anyway, because we believe God is asking us to step into the Jordan.